Every 10 episodes or so, Kira and I like to sit down without a guest and just talk about what's on our minds and what's happening in our businesses. But as you probably know, Kira is on maternity leave, so that leaves just me, Rob, here to carry the load. That doesn't mean that I don't have a lot to share. In this episode, which is number 250, by the way, pretty cool uh, milestone for us to have reached, I'm going to check in with Kira about how her time with maternity leave is going. I'm also going to share some of the highlights that we have from the salary survey that we conducted earlier this year. And I'm going to uh, tell you where you can get a copy of the numbers that I'm going to be sharing and, and even more numbers than what I do share in this podcast. And finally, we're going to hear from at least one graduate of the Copywriter Accelerator. And to be perfectly honest, the reason that I'm sharing that portion of this podcast is that we're hoping that you'll consider joining the Accelerator program when we open it near the end of August in just a couple of weeks. So with that, uh, before we start the rest of this episode, I just want to remind you that this episode, like all of the others, is brought to you by the Copywriter Think Tank. That's our mastermind for copywriters and other marketers who want to do more with their business. We've talked about all the kinds of things that people in the Think Tank are doing before. Things like building an agency or creating a course, product, podcast, writing a book, and so forth. If you want to join a group of copywriters working on some pretty amazing things in their business and accomplish something amazing in your own, you owe it to yourself to learn more. Visit copywriterthinktank.com. That's copywriterthinktank.com and fill out the form there so that we can sit down and chat and talk about whether it's the right opportunity for you or not. Okay, so let's go back to uh, what I teased in the very beginning here, and that is we, uh, earlier this year, held a uh, salary survey or conducted a salary survey. We asked several other copywriting groups to share the survey with their members, and many of them did. We want to thank uh, Joanna Weave, who shared it with her audience at Copy Hackers, and um, also Abby Woodcock, who shared it at Business of Copy. I believe a few people uh, shared it in Kevin Rogers' group, uh, Copy Chief, and there were others still like um, Michal Ezekowitz's group, Copy Tribe. Many people shared it there. Others shared it on LinkedIn and in various places. Once it was shared out, we had more than 450 people respond. The numbers broke down a little bit like this. We had about 301 women responded. Um, there were about 118 men who responded to the survey. At least three other people uh, chose a different gender uh, other than men or women. And then there were about another 40 or so people who refused to answer a question about gender. And so uh, add it all up and we're a little over uh, about 450, 460 people responded to the survey. And we asked them questions about their income, about what they charged for 15 different kinds of projects. We asked them about their experience levels. We asked them about their age. We asked them about the language that they spoke, what countries that they live in, whether or not they do different projects, and even asked them uh, you know, to, to share some thoughts about how they price themselves and uh, how they approach the proposal process, you know, what they think is most important, uh, things like creativity, sales skills, all those kinds of things. Uh, I can't share all of the data. We'd literally be here for four or five hours as I just run number after number after number. Um, but I do want to share some of the uh, top line learnings 
that we have and then invite you to get a copy of this special report where we're sharing as much of this data as we can right now. Uh, if there are other things that come out of the survey as our data scientists start to tease it out, we'll share that also uh, in the future, either on our blog or in the Copywriter Club Facebook groups or one of our programs. Interestingly enough, uh, there were quite a, as you might expect, there's a really drastic difference in what people charge for different projects. Let me give you an example. We asked about landing pages. How much did you charge for the last landing page that you wrote? At the bottom end of that, uh, the answer set that we had there was somebody who charged $20, uh, which is very low for a landing page. At the top end, we had somebody who charged $20,000. And so you can imagine there's a, a, a massive range in the different answers that we got. So it's nice to look at the averages. And in the report that we've uh, put together with all of the numbers, we also look at the median. So you get a really good sense of not just the average, but what's the number in the middle um, where people, you know, half the people are charging more and half the people are charging less. Let me give you another example of how that looks. So uh, with sales pages, one person answered our survey and they had charged $45,000 for the last sales page that they wrote, which is amazing. Uh, obviously, that's A-list price, very top of the market. Uh, at the other side of the numbers, somebody answered it and they had charged $50. Uh, both of those numbers are outliers. Neither one of them is really an indicative of where the real market is. So, uh, you know, at the top end, something you know in the range of like twelve thousand to twenty thousand dollars is a lot more common. And at the bottom end, you know, there are a few others that are you know that fifty to hundred dollar range, but five hundred dollars is way more common at the the lower end. And so, as we look at those numbers, it's just interesting uh, to tease out some of the differences. Uh, from from what we could see and what we learned from the numbers that we got, there are in different age groups uh, also a disparity. But um, copywriters aged between 18 to 25, we had one person who reported earning a six-figure income, which is a pretty nice income for for you know being right out of school and and that young age. Between the ages of 26 to six or to 50, um, we had over 60. Uh, people who were earning six figures and then 50 plus um, there were 13 or so who were at that six figure range. So uh, six figures less common in earlier years, as you might expect, it does trend a little bit with experience, um, but becomes uh, very achievable even in the late 20s and uh, 30s for a lot of people who are writing copy. We uh, took a look at annual income and these are probably the easiest numbers to answer. Like I said, we asked about 15 different kinds of projects, what people were charging, and, and we teased that out. We share that in the report. But the annual income numbers are probably the most interesting and the easiest to share in this format on a podcast. Beginning copywriters, those who have less than a year's worth of experience, uh, reported earning an average of $19,144 in annual income just from writing copy they may there are many of these who may have another job or other income but we asked just uh what their income from writing copy is and that number you know again for somebody who's got zero experience or less than a year's worth of experience that doesn't feel awful it's still low but it doesn't really tell the whole story so we wanted to take a look at the income numbers and break them out by quartiles the bottom 25 percent, the top 25 percent, and then two quartiles in the middle what we found is those with very little experience, the bottom quartile are making almost nothing. They really are struggling, maybe literally just starting out, maybe have done only one project, two projects, and they're averaging about $839. But surprisingly, at the top 
25%. Uh, the top best copywriters, even with less than a year's worth of experience, they're averaging just under $50,000, $49,252. And even that doesn't tell the whole story because six people in that quartile reported earning more than $50,000 and three actually reported earning $100,000, which is really interesting. Less than a year's worth of experience and they're already making six figures, which gives, I think, a lot of us hope that you know this business can be um, very profitable and can take care of our families in very meaningful ways if we can deliver the value that we uh, know we can for our clients. Copywriters in that next group up, having one to two years worth of experience um, for their annual income, they reported earning a, an average of 38,866. So it's a pretty good bump from that first year. Uh, again, we looked at the quartiles to see how that breaks out. And the top quartile of this group is averaging $78,130. Uh, and at least one person who is earning, again, well over $100,000 in that group. So we're seeing the numbers go up as experience grows. Uh, the next group, three to five years, uh, again, a similar bump to 62556 on average. And the top quartile, this group is just under $150,000. Uh, the bottom quartile here is still struggling though, which is again, kind of interesting, $12,641. So people in this group, three to five years of experience, some of them are making significantly less than the top quartile of some of these copywriters who are just starting out, which should tell you that experience is not necessarily the most important uh, criteria or factor for setting your prices. We see that even continue as we go into that next level. Uh, copywriters who have uh, more than uh, five years of experience, so we're in that five to 10 year uh, range, 84,984 is the average and the top quartile, $190,000. So this is really where we start to see some real big differences. Although that number includes at least one person who reported earning a million dollars. If we take that person out of the data set, that top quartile is averaging about $150,000. Um, kind of like that bigger number, it sounds more impressive, but the $150,000 is more indicative of what the rest of the top earners in that group are making. And again, at the bottom quartile, we see this, you know, a very low number, 19,578. That may be reflective of people who are working part-time. They're not looking at making six figures. You know, they're not trying to make that big of an impact, but just knowing that there are, you know, people, again, with almost 10 years of experience making less than completely unexperienced copywriters is very interesting. The final age group we looked at was 10 plus years. Uh, we see another bump um, to an average of $93,000 in that level. And the top quartile here is making $207,000 as uh, an average. There are a lot of $100,000 or, or high six-figure earners in that group, which you know keeps that number high. But interesting just to know on income-wise, you know, what that looks like. It's a little harder for me to, to share how the breakdowns for um, different projects go, but let me just give you uh, one uh, example of how that might look. So let's take a look at, uh, or maybe I'll give you two just so that one's maybe content related and one's more sales related. Uh, let's take a look at a sales page and what somebody would be charging, you know, what, what we see at those different experience levels. So less than one years of experience, we uh, had an average, the people are charging about $1,500. Uh, 
Um, the median number is about $700. So that $1,500 is bumped up quite a bit by somebody or a few people who are charging more than uh, the, uh, the average in this group. Um, but, you know, not horrible for uh, a sales page, a long form sales page for somebody who's just starting out. But obviously we, we'd want to see these numbers go up pretty considerably. Uh, one or two years, they do bump up to about $3,000 on average. Um, two to five years bumps up again to about $4,200 on average. And then in that six to 10 year range, um, it jumps up to uh, $3,881. And the 10 plus years of experience range is over $6,000. So we see some really nice bumps uh, as we move up the experience level here. Um, let's also take a look at like blog posts because again, very different from a sales letter, but we see something um, kind of interesting here too. Uh, less than one year's experience, the average that people are charging is about $190. One to two years, that number bumps up to about $361. And then we see a little bit of a drop in that next um, group. And again, this just might be some weirdness in the data, but it's right around $300 for the two to five years experience. Six to 10 years of experience, people who are charging for blog posts are right at $500 a post. And that 10 plus is right there again with them. So very indicative of what we might think uh, people are charging for blog posts. But again, it's really interesting. You know, we had one person who reported charging $6,000 for a single blog post, um, you know, and others who are charging $5 for a blog post. So there's a massive range here, depending on the kinds of clients that you're working with, the kinds of projects that are coming your way, the way you talk about what you do, the value you deliver uh, really changes what we can charge. Um, experience level does uh, obviously correlate with what people charge, but it's not the um, the most important factor. And I'll talk about that here in just a second. Before we talk about that, though, um, you know, there's a difference uh, by sex. Um, you know, women, all women, uh, average charging about fifty-seven thousand dollars in annual income or earning fifty-seven thousand dollars, while while the average for all men is around seventy-two thousand dollars. Um, there's a, a decent discussion in the report that we put together about this, about why that happens. Uh, it's I don't believe it's all because uh, you know of unscrupulous employers or contractors who you know are um, you know always um, charging or, or char allow men to charge more than women. Uh, that's definitely part of it, but there are other things going on here too, and we talk about that in the report. That I'll tell you how you can get that in just a minute. Um, we did find that um, women working in advertising agencies reported actually earning right the same amount as men. It was like e uh, equal distribution, both of them right just under $60,000, um, which tells us that at least in the advertising agency world, there's been a lot of progress in equalizing salaries between um, men and women. Um, but the the um, disparity continues in all of the other ways that we looked at it. You know, people who are working full-time as copywriters, people who are working in-house copywriters, women tend to make less. And that is not necessarily um, an okay thing. It's something that we as an industry need to get better at. Um, and, you know, as copywriters need to learn how to ask for the money that we deserve and the, for the value that we're creating for our clients. We um, also looked at... Uh, or we also asked um, people, you know, who did not identify as a woman or a man. We had very few people answer that question uh, with an other. And so while we do have an average for those people, that that number is so low that it's really not enough data actually um, judged by. But we've included that in the report as well. The most important 
thing that we uh, found as far as making a difference in what copywriters earn uh, for the work that they do is choosing a niche. And there's a lot of discussion online in our groups, in other groups as to whether you need a niche or you don't need a niche. And of course, you can find success as a copywriter without a niche. In fact, niching too quickly is a mistake that a lot of copywriters make as they're just starting out. However, we found, and I know I've hinted at this the last two episodes as we've talked about this, but copywriters who have one niche and only work in one niche earned an average of $93,877. So just under that six figure mark. Copywriters who reported having no niche uh, averaged earning $48,985. So having one niche that you focus on increased earnings literally by 96%, uh, at least with the group that we have reporting on our survey. And then there's this middle group, people who have a niche, but they may work in several other niches as well. And even they earn more than those with no niche because again, they're, they're focused on at least one thing in the main, even though they may work in others. They reported earning an average of $65,228, which is about 50% more than those with no niche. So if you're wondering what can you do to uh, increase your income, what's the one change that you can make that makes the biggest difference? It's choosing a niche and uh, focusing in on that. And that may th that may be explained by a lot of different things. You know, when you have a niche, people are more able to find you for the thing that they're looking for. Um, oftentimes, people who have a niche are focused on industries that may pay a little bit more than than those that don't. Um, but there, you know, again, lots of reasons that that may happen. But across the almost 500 copywriters that we talked to, uh, having a niche makes a pretty significant difference. We also looked at things like uh, country of location, the language spoken. Um, th those also have an impact on what people charge. We uh, looked at education levels, which has almost zero uh, impact at all. We see a very even distribution across all the different educational levels. So high school, some high school, bachelor's degree, master's degree, doctorate, uh, almost across the board, it just doesn't really make much of a difference um, showing that you know it, it really comes down to your ability to solve problems for your clients, to deliver value, and not necessarily the fact that you have a master's degree or a doctorate uh, to uh, make money as a copywriter. And then one final note about you know niches, we asked people which what niches they worked in. And I took a look at those uh, niches that somebody reported earning at least $100,000 in. Uh, it's a really long list. Uh, it's very varied. It's not just limited to financial and health and wellness, which we hear a lot of people talk about that is the most profitable niche. We have people who you know, are working with labor unions, people who are, you know, working with photographers, people who uh, are working with women-owned brands in the security space, um, transportation, agriculture, quiz funnels, sex and relationships. Um, you know, there's all of these industries have copywriters in them earning, and it reported to us that they were earning at least $100,000 and many even more. So uh, it may not depend as much on which niche you choose, but rather that you simply just choose a niche. Um, one last thing that I'm going to say, I'll, I'll go back to you know what I was saying about men and women making uh, more or less money. And this is kind of an interesting point, but the one person who reported making a million dollars in our survey, uh, almost twice as much as any other person who responded to our survey, we had several at that half a million dollar mark. The one person who reported earning a million dollars happened to be a woman. So it is certainly doable uh, and it is, uh, it's not, um, 
out of uh, out of well, it's not impossible, let's say, uh, to make that happen. So that's uh, just kind of a, a top line look at the numbers that we found. Of course, you know, if you want to see what people are charging at the different experience levels for things like, you know, landing pages, blog posts, case studies about pages, uh, single sales emails, autoresponders, product descriptions, uh, VIP days. If you're interested in any of those kinds of things, um, be sure to get the report that we've put together. You can find that at thecopywriterclub.com forward slash income report. That's all one word. So thecopywriterclub.com forward slash income report. It's not free, but it's very uh, affordably priced. And this information may give you some ideas as far as, you know, are the prices that you're charging within the realm of what you should be charging. That report also includes our guidance on how you should um, price yourself so that you make sure that you're getting paid for the impact that you're making on people's businesses. And you're not just, you know, looking at a rate sheet and saying, oh, you know, I charge $1,500 for that. Um, you're making sure that you have that option to, um, you know, really, really price your services based on the value that you deliver. Okay. My voice is going, my throat's getting dry. My voice is uh, wearing out a little bit. And so I'm going to take a break here and we're going to, um, check in with Kira and see how things are going with her maternity leave. Oh, this will be just very real. I have the baby quiet, but we'll see yeah, what we, happens. We can hear cute little baby noises. So we are, <laughs> we are checking in here with Kira. This is episode 250 and normally it's just Kira and I chatting about stuff, but Kira's on maternity leave uh, rather than, you know, just skip all of that. Uh, let's just check in for a few minutes and see how maternity leave's going for Kira so that people don't get tired of just hearing from Rob all the time. So Kira, how, how's it going? How's the baby? I'm sure they are not tired of hearing from you. And um, the baby's wonderful. I can't believe it's it's been three weeks as of today since Homer was born. And so it's going by really fast, um, which is just, I don't know, that's just kind of always surprising of how fast it's going, but he's just a sweet baby, like so sweet. Um, just like perfect. Um, everything I could ask for in a little baby boy. I can't, I don't know. I'm just, I'm head over heels in love with him. I can't say enough about this little boy. So, and how about your other, I'm definitely like your other kids, how do they, how do they like the baby? The, they, I mean, Harper, so Harper's eight. She, as soon as she found out that he is a baby boy during the pregnancy, she was lost all interest in the baby. And so I'm done. she's got this like weird rivalry where she, anytime I talk about the baby, she talks about our cat. And so she's warming up to him. Like she's, I, she does some small gestures, like petting his head. <laughs> makes me feel like there's hope that she will love this baby eventually. And then Henry has been really sweet. He, he has been excited about having a younger baby brother the entire pregnancy. And so just seeing him interact, he's just, he's become more responsible and he'll help me watch him and just has really stepped up and is so sweet. It just brings out the best side of Henry when they interact. And so it's been fun to see how the kids have dealt with this and, um, and how we're, how, you know, really adding one more person does change the whole dynamic in the household and adds a little bit more overwhelm and stress, um, which we're just sorting through and figuring out. Um, and you, and you've been through that with your four kids. So I'm sure, 
I'm sure uh, you know how that goes when you add another body to the the household. Yeah, I never, I was never a freelancer when we added kids. So I always could, you know, go away to the job or whatever. And my wife was just awesome and handling all of, especially all of the younger kids stuff. So yeah, uh, I, I didn't have the same experience that you're having, obviously. And, and I, I'm also a, a dad, not a mom. So there's a totally different, you know, approach there too. But it is interesting the way that family dynamics all change as you add new members. Yeah. Yeah. So it's been fun just figuring that out. Um, I'm, I mean, I feel really grateful that, you know, you have just taken over everything TCC related and it's just, you're managing everything so well and the team has stepped up. Like I just feel, I feel really grateful, happy, <laughs> lucky to have, have such support at this stage because I, I do tend to underplay things. And so I don't know if you know that about me, but so even going into this pregnancy and you know adding a new member to our family, I was just like, oh yeah, it's fine. I'll have plenty of time to do all the things when the baby arrives. And um, there's not that much time and it's very intense and it's wonderful, but it's also like, it's just really intense right now. And so anyway, it's just nice to have support coming from many different directions right now. Let's talk about that just a little bit, because the last time that you had a baby, you were, you were working, uh, but I don't think you were freelancing, right? You were, you were working first. I was freelancing. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I was in a transition. So I was working for a startup as a marketing director, but it was, I was a contractor. So I had flexibility there. And then I was taking, I had was building my copywriting business already, but I was in the early stages of it. So that was 2015. And so I remember I delivered Henry. And then I think that it sounds crazy, but I think the next day I was working on a launch project, a copywriting project for a deadline that I had to finish. And so there was an, a different type of stress <laughs> during that time than that I don't have now because I was in that hustle mode. It was, and the, the crazy thing is like, I really, I wanted to do that. I was so determined to build my copywriting business and I knew that would be good for my life and for my family that I was willing to kind of do those extra things and, and take on these extra projects because I was in that, just that crazy hustle mode of um, you know, feeling like you have to do those things in order to get the business up and running. And now, you know, however many years later, I'm not in that stage. It's just a very different feel today, a much better, healthier feel than it was back in 2015. Yeah. I mean, obviously there's a huge difference in having the luxury of taking some time off and, and not everybody who has a baby has the option of taking that, which is, um, not necessarily awesome. It's, it's definitely not awesome that people can't <laughs> no. do that. Um, but, it, uh, you know, again, the fact that, you know, sometimes you have to make sacrifices, right? And that's not necessarily a sacrifice that you want to make. But um, for some people, it is the right thing to, you know, to maybe go back a little earlier. Or, you know, maybe it's an age thing, you know, as as you get a little bit more mature. It's like, yeah, I'm actually going to take more time to take care of myself and, and my family. Whereas when you're younger, you know, you've got more energy and you're able to you know, to make some of those sacrifices. I, I'm not passing any judgment here. I'm not justifying. Are you or, calling me old? <laughs> and I'm definitely not doing that. You know me. I'm, I'm so much older than you. I, I have no right to call <laughs> you old. But, um, but it, it is interesting, you know, that there are different approaches and maybe one approach is right at one stage in life and another approach is better at another stage in life. Yeah. And I, I think that's correct. It's not right or wrong. Um, I 
I did take a maternity leave from my job and that marketing role. So for the, you know, more of the employment role, I was, did take time off, but I was, again, I just, I wanted, I opted in. I wanted to take on clients because I knew the importance of building the copywriting business and how that would help me fulfill these other goals that would help my family. So it was all stuff I said yes to um, at that time and was eager to do it. And you're right. Like I probably, maybe I did have more energy then. Um, so a little bit older now, the sleep deprivation is getting to me a little bit more now. And I have, it's just a different situation. I have two older kids now. So there are more demands in my household than there were when I had my first and second baby. And just, you know, more people need attention now. Even my cat, like, has responded in an odd way to having a baby. Everybody needs more attention. So it's hard to give everybody the attention that they need during this transitional time but I'm trying my best. So as you consider, you know, having had time off, I know you, you haven't really uh, worked on projects or that kind of thing, but you've checked in with some work things as well. And you've touched base with people who are in our programs. You've talked to them or whatever. Have you learned anything about, you know, the separation of work boundaries, anything like that? Or would you say that going in, it's kind of been what you expected? Well, I think, I think I wasn't I didn't know what to expect, and that probably could have been frustrating to you and to our other team members going into maternity leave because I wasn't clear about even my boundaries around maternity leave or how long. I know recently you texted me and you're like, so when are you coming back? <laughs> um, because those are things that you know you should probably discuss ahead of time, but I just wasn't sure going into maternity leave and having this baby of how I was going to feel, how I just, you forget even the reality of it. And I forgot, even though I've gone through it before. So I kind of just needed to like get into it to understand what I'm dealing with in this new stage. And so, um, I think that's kind of how I've had to deal with it on my end is just like going with the flow and seeing once I'm in it, like, okay, well, here's what I can handle. Here's what's realistic. I can check in. Like I can send text messages. I can send voice memos to Rob. Um, and, but I can't get on a bunch of calls because that's just not going to happen. So I think I'm just feeling my way through it, but there's definitely, there's Slack, which is great for communication. So I love checking in with our think tank members because, we have really great relationships with those members. And um, so I want to see how they're doing. Um, and they've been nice to check in on me. And so I'm just kind of doing what feels like it's healthy and what I want to do and not feeling pressured to perform or to do anything that's unrealistic at this point. Like jumping on two or three coaching calls in a day would not make any sense. And I wouldn't even be able to provide value because Again, sleep deprivation. I don't even know what I would offer. So I'm just, again, sorting through it, figuring it out, but also seeing what's realistic of like when I can come back and add more time. And um, so I don't know if that's really answering the question, but I have I have figured out some boundaries. And I think you and our team have really respected those boundaries. And even though I've said, hey, text me whenever you need anything, um, our team has been really just respectful and kind of quiet. People aren't really reaching out to me because I think they want to give me space and and I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, looking at from the other side, you know, we didn't talk about, you know, all of the things that were going to happen because we didn't exactly know. Um, and it has been a learning experience. You know, uh, there are some things that we're doing less of and we're having to get, uh, as I think about when you come back as well, I think we're going to have to be much more disciplined about call schedules, about the time that we put in the business, because, you know, 
running a business with uh, a newborn or, you know, a two, three month old baby is a different story than running a business with five-year-old or in my case with teenagers and, you know, older kids. And so, you know, looking at saying, okay, we can carve out, you know, a four hour window here or, you know, two hours here because you've got help with childcare or because your partner may be home or, you know, it's like, we now uh, have some pretty real constraints on some of the time that you'll be available to do some of the things that we need to do together. No, you're so, it's so true. And constraints are a good, I I do well with constraints. And I know Justin Blackman had an excellent presentation on, I forget what it was called. You'll probably remember, but on creativity with constraints at TCC IRL. Um, And I, I love that concept because I am somebody who does need constraints and I perform at my best when I do have them. And so I think in some ways over the last few years, not that our schedule has been out of control, although you and I both take on a lot of phone calls and video calls. So in some ways it kind of has been out of control. But um, I think because I my kids have been in school, I've been able to do more and you've been able to do more. And now with this new constraint, it will force us to rethink like, well, what warrants a phone call? What doesn't? How can we build systems so maybe we aren't on as many calls? And it's just something, yeah, I, I'm going to have to do that as I'm looking at my own child care and who's going to help me take care of this baby in a couple months. Um, and I think it's a really good thing. I, I always kind of need that uh, kick in the butt to rethink everything I'm doing. And if it takes having a baby to do that, then, then great. I think we can use that to our advantage. Okay. One last question for you for this short check-in. Uh, I know, you know, we can you- make it a longer check-in. The baby's f- fell asleep and it's nice to, you know, it's nice to talk the, to you. The cute baby noises disappeared about two minutes in. So, um, but I, I was, I was thinking you've, you've obviously you're not, you know, on calls, or whatever. It's not like you don't have other things to do, but are you reading anything interesting? <laughs> I am, you know, I go through stages. Like I, like the first week it was just this very intense binge of all the news. And then like the next week it was like buying all the books and reading. And the next week it was finding different comedy shows. So um, yeah, I have been reading a little bit. I've kind of been um, working through some books on just psychology and um, pursuing different paths in psychology and kind of psychedelics and trauma, which we've talked about with different guests on the show. So just kind of exploring that and um, and then reading, again, a lot of the newspaper, kind of keeping up with the news, which sounds weird, but I get, I don't know, maybe because I'm removed from the world in some ways. <laughs> I don't leave my house very often. I'm just in a very, a stage where I'm, my life is shrunk down. And so I kind of need to reach out and grasp and understand what's happening in the greater world at this stage to feel like I'm still in touch with what's happening outside my bedroom. So that's kind of it. But yeah, I'm looking for comedy shows. I have to stay up most nights. So I'm looking for shows that can just entertain me and keep me awake so I don't fall asleep. So I'm taking all recommendations. This is a time where I can kind of binge comedy and really get into it in a way that I usually don't normally when I'm not in this stage. So I'm enjoying that too. Nice. And what, like, is there a comedic recommendation, a comedian you've been watching that's put you over the top, making you laugh? Well, you know I love Jason Bateman, so I've went. Go- I've gone back to all the Arrested Development shows, um, and I'm kind of working my way through Arrested Development because I didn't catch all of them, and I, I just love that show. And then um, there is a new comedy, new-ish in the last two years, by Rob. Oh my goodness, it's another Rob. He played Mac on It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, 
and he's producer, writer, comedian, and he created a new show um, that I'm going to look up as we're talking because <laughs> I don't have the name of it, but it's two seasons and it's really funny um, and it's just really well written. And so I'm working my way through that and I'm going to find it. Um, but I want to ask you a question, Rob. How has it been for you? I mean, honest, like, how's it been dealing with me stepping away three weeks in? Um, what have you learned or what's been easy? What's been hard? Well, uh, like we said, we've got a great team. And so they've, you know, picked up some of the slack. Um, we've cut back on a few things. I took a week of vacation, like literally the day you had the baby, we were both out for a full week. And I was like, first, peace out. First vacation I've taken without taking a laptop along with me. Uh, I did have an iPad so I could check into email, but I couldn't do, you know, a lot of stuff that I would normally do with my laptop. So uh, literally took seven days and rested, hung out with my family. We went to Chicago and kind of drove down through the Midwest, um, just had a great time. And then coming back, uh, yeah, there are, there are different things like me, um, taking on all of the coaching calls that we do. Uh, you know, I'm, I think one of your strengths is the coaching that we do and connecting with people that something that, you know, I'm, I'm pretty good at providing people with ideas and talking through those things, but I think that's definitely your strength, not necessarily my strength. And so to step into doing some of that stuff, that's, doesn't naturally or doesn't come naturally to me uh, is a bit of a challenge, but it's also fun, um, you know. And and so you know, an opportunity just to grow my skills just a little bit and try to get a little bit better at that kind of stuff. Um, but aside from that, you know, there's there's still a lot of stuff that just has to be done, you know, week to week. And so we, as far as the podcast goes, we've had a few people um, step in and be guest uh, hosts, at least for our interjections. We haven't done any interviews yet with guests, but uh, that may be coming just depending on, you know, when, when our backlog of podcasts runs out and when you end up coming back, but it's fun having other voices on the podcast and getting other perspectives. And while I think it comes really naturally to you and me, because we've done this 260 times almost together, bringing in new voices, it's, it's maybe not as smooth, but, um, the perspectives that some of these other people are bringing to the podcast are different from what you would bring. And I like those conversations. I think it's been really interesting and really fun. And so uh, that might be something that we continue doing even after uh, you come back is to a guest from time to time just to add another perspective because I've actually enjoyed that. Yeah, no, I've listened to the first one, at least where Tamara Glick is uh, co providing commentary with you. And it was so fun to listen to it. So I think this is where going back to what we were saying about constraints, I think anytime there's a big life change uh, behind a business, whether it's with one person or, or both people, it's there's an opportunity there, even though it can be really challenging at times and, and challenging for you because you've had to take on the extra work. But I think there could be some opportunities for us to rethink, rethink parts of the business and how we're doing little things like the podcast, because I never would have thought about like, why don't we invite people on to provide commentary? Why does it have to be the two of us for every episode? Um, it doesn't have to be. So that's really cool. Who else is providing that commentary other than Tamara? So, so far uh, we've talked with Grace Baldwin and Tiffany Ingle, and we've got a couple others uh, lined up in the next couple of weeks. So people will hear those. Um, we get out, we, we record some of this stuff ahead. And so I don't know exactly which ones are going to drop which week, but uh, yeah, it, it'll be fun. A lot of them are people in our think tank and there may be a few people who uh, have been 
you know, just part of our community for a while that we'll reach out to as well. And like I said, it, it's been fun enough that I think it's the kind of thing that maybe we can continue from time to time. And, you know, maybe you partner off with somebody and I'm not there and I partner off with somebody and you're not there. And other times it's you and I. So, you know, whatever feels good. Um, also looking forward to having more members of our team do that as well, just so that people can meet some of the awesome people on our team, you know, people like Gabby and Brandon and Rosie who you know, do so much behind the scenes and help people, but they don't, they're not center stage. They're, you know, not up front on videos very often and it'll just be fun to share their voices too. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm excited about that. And okay. Going back to what you asked me about the show, this is the show's name. Um, Rob McElhenney is the creator, actor, director, producer behind the show mythic quest it's on apple tv um and it's worth checking out if you like it's always sunny in philadelphia if you like that type of humor it's definitely worth checking out especially season one episode 10 because they have an episode that's all about the pandemic and so the whole episode is basically all the characters on a zoom call and those different zoom calls and um you know i think Anyone who's been on a Zoom call over the last two years can appreciate the humor behind that episode. So anyway, that's what I've been binging at 3 or 4 a.m. in the morning when I am, this baby does not allow me to sleep and just wants to feed. I have been sound asleep at 3 and 4 in the morning. <laughs> so I haven't been watching anything that that late or that early depending uh, on. But I, I will say... I've, uh, you know, I'm a, a superhero fan. I've seen Black Widow, uh, awesome show. Got to go see that with all my kids as well. So yeah, we've been, we've been keeping busy. It's just been a, a nice summer. Yeah. Well, and what is coming up from on your end with TCC or maybe, you know, TCC and beyond over the next month or so? I, I think most of the next couple of weeks may just be um, more of the same, but very soon you and I are going to be launching the Copywriter Accelerator again. In fact, you're, we'll start the program when you come back. Um, that's kind of your, hey, you have to be back by this time because we do this thing. Right. There's a deadline. That, that we do together. Um, and so we'll be talking about that, you know, into the middle of August and, and into September. We'll be starting in September. And you and I have also talked about, like, how can we improve this program? We've made a few changes over the last two times that we've run it and we're really working on a complete rebuild of the program uh, for next year. But when we do that, we're going to raise the prices um, and it's going to be a little bit longer. The deliverables are going to be really solid. It's, you know, the kind of stuff that you and I are going to be able to help people make some real serious progress in their business. And when they finish the accelerator, they're going to walk away with, you know, a full, you know, a, basically a, a business that's ready to, to rock and roll with. And so, um, look for that in in 2022 but anybody who joins the program this coming fall when when we launch again will get in um the previous training it's it's the same training that we've been doing for the last couple of years at the previous price but when we release all of the new stuff uh we'll make that available to them as well and so instead of paying the higher price and waiting until next year to you know get that um 2.0 content um, this is a really good opportunity to get into the accelerator and and just build your network, get the basics of your business going, and we'll talk a lot about that uh, coming up in the next few weeks. But that's that's what's coming for uh, the Copywriter Club, and then in the let's let's say the the rest of the summer months. Okay, sounds good. 
Yeah, so that's it. And I think for the rest of this episode, we're going to let you go. And I'm going to just chat with one or two people who've been through the accelerator recently so that people can get a sense of what that's all about and you know what some of the takeaways are and why they might want to consider it when we start talking about it later this summer. All right. Well, thank you for thank you for bringing me on. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's kind of fun and- having you as a guest uh, and uh, talking to you for the first time in a couple of weeks. So it's been good. Yes. And thank you for all the hard work you've put in so that I can take time away and be with my baby and family. I appreciate you, Rob Marsh. And um, yeah, so it, it means a lot. I, I, I thank you. Of course. And uh, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll chat with you soon. Thanks, Kira. Okay. Bye. Okay, so wanted to, for this last part of this podcast, we want to check in with at least one person who's been through the accelerator and just have them uh, share an experience or two, you know, what their business was like before, what the experience of the accelerator was like during, and what's happened since. And I'm being joined right now by copywriter Matt Schneider. Matt, uh, maybe introduce yourself a little bit. Tell us uh, about your business, who you write for, you know, give us, give us all the information. Yeah, I'll give you, I'll give you as quick of a rundown as I possibly can. So yeah, I'm Matt. I live in Atlanta, um, born and raised in Kansas. So, you know, I'm, I'm a transplant like most people in this city, but, uh, I started copywriting a couple of years ago, uh, kind of on a freelance basis on the side for lots of nonprofits or, uh, churches and kind of charities and it kind of, spiraled into, Hey, I really enjoy this thing. And so now it's my full-time gig. And, uh, now I still write for nonprofits and charities, uh, mostly or like, uh, adjacent related industries. Uh, but also I'm, I'm, I'm pivoting towards e-commerce and, uh, trying to really pigeonhole myself into the market, email marketing, uh, world. So, and that's, that's kind of where I've come after the accelerator program. So. Nice. And tell us maybe why it was that you even started looking at the accelerator. And it's if I remember right, you looked, you you were like thinking about it like a year or two ago and you're just like, ah, time's not right. You know, I'm going to do this later. And then you finally did join. Like, what was the impetus for that? Yeah. Well, like, yeah, like a, a year before I joined, I knew that it's something I wanted to do. I, as a freelancer and somebody who was wanting to go full time as a freelancer, I was working full time for in a nine to five job and I just didn't have the time to do the accelerator. I didn't have the, the, the cash to do the accelerator. And so, uh, but I just felt like disorganized. I felt like I was making everything up. as like, went like I was the dude who was going to webinars and downloading all the free things and joining an email list and downloading all the free things and just kind of trying to piece together my processes and my systems, and my packages and I just felt like a mess. I was incredibly disorganized um, mentally more than I actually was uh, in reality. <laughs> uh, and so when the accelerator opened up for the second time around or the second time around that I saw it, I just knew immediately that was what I had to do. And I signed up right away. Um, and I had, the, I had the cash to do it, which was nice. But I was also full-time freelancing for myself uh, post pandemic well, because of the pandemic, I, I kind of, I didn't have a choice. So I was like, I have to get my stuff together. And, uh, so that's, that's kind of why I joined. Um, I wanted to, to know that I wasn't crazy and, uh, I just wanted to get my head on straight, uh, for my business and, and myself, honestly. 
And, and so you joined and tell us about the experience of the accelerator itself. Like what did it do or, or you know, what did you think as you were going through it? Well, I would say two of the biggest takeaways uh, were clarity and confidence. Um, getting into it, I just was like, hey, I really want to figure out this like packaging thing. I want to make myself look sexy to my ideal clients, um, that kind of thing. But honestly, it it became uh, became so much more. Uh, yeah, like I said, clarity and confidence were two big takeaways for me. But probably another huge one was just the fact that like, I got to connect with other writers in my niche and other writers and freelancers and, you know, just marketers in general who are doing this thing. And I'm still regularly in touch with everybody. We, we have our own Slack channel now. Um, like we're emailing, we're engaging on Instagram. I'm getting referrals from people. I'm giving referrals to people. Uh, it's just that community element wasn't something that I expected to be so, um, I don't know, such a, such a good highlight. Uh, and at the beginning of the program, you, you and Kira encouraged all of us to to network and meet and Zoom. And uh, so just meeting people from all over the world and just sitting in this room at home and being like feeling connected um, to folks all across the world was really, really awesome. Um, great takeaway, just networking wise. But I don't know, that answer question, that's kind of just a bunch of rambling. <laughs> yeah, well, an answers for me, I, you know, it's it's interesting that you point out the the community and, and all of the connections because uh, that's something that gets mentioned over and over and over, but it's not something that, you know, we, you know, when we talk about the accelerator and we say, hey, here are all the reasons, here are all the things you get out of the accelerator. We do mention it, but a lot of people don't think about it as being the number one thing. Like people want to organize their business. They want to get their website set up. They want to choose their niche. They want to do all of the things that they go through. And yet the thing that most people walk away with is I have this awesome network of like they do all of those other things, but that, but the real takeaway is I've got this awesome network that I'm connected with, that I'm bouncing ideas around with, that I, you know, I'm sharing leads with, or even just chatting about what's going on in the business. So it's, it's kind of interesting that, that again, you're mentioning that, but it, because we see that over and over and over. Yeah. I mean, well, I feel like a lot of people join the accelerator because they just want to get their, their together you know, for lack of a better term, but it's like they, it's kind of like a, a hidden surprise and it could be a huge, um, I don't know, benefit that you could advertise, I guess. I don't know. Like it's just, it was unexpected for me. I just came in, want to put my head down and do the work and get out. And um, it just caught me by surprise, honestly, and in a really, really good way. And let's, let's talk about also like just the changes that you've made in your business. And I know the accelerator sets up a lot of things, you know, it, it lasts for 16 weeks, about four months. A lot of the stuff we talk about is stuff that you, it takes longer to execute on than just those four months. But, um, you know, what has it done for your business? What do you think about the changes that you've made, you know, in, in how you approach your niche, your ideal clients, all of that? Yeah. Well, I mean, to start off, I mean, I pivoted from basically content marketing exclusively, like writing blog posts and articles to doing em email marketing full-time exclusively for my clients. And 90% of the work I do now is email marketing, which is great because I love it. Um, but I'd say, I'd say that that was a huge change in, in terms of basically changing the scope of my business and uh, the type of clients that I want to work with. Um, I've been saying no a lot. Uh, the accelerator kind of gave me, I don't know, the permission I needed um, to give myself to say no to the wrong fit clients or the wrong type of projects, the ones that 
don't um, spark joy, uh, for lack of a better term. And um, so I'm saying yes. I'm able to say yes to projects that I want to take on and or yes to clients that I actually just really, really want to work with. Um, I'm not afraid to say no because I know that, the, you know, it's just opening the door further down the road. And I'm getting to refer those no clients to people I met in the accelerator or people that I've met through the underground, uh, which has been really, really cool to just kind of share uh, work. Uh, so that's been a big change. So kind of a mindset shift. Um, you and Kira both through the blueprints that we submit encouraged me to raise my rates uh, significantly. And I did. And I've had zero pushback from anybody. Okay, cool. Um, so, I, that was going to be my next yeah. question is like, how has it impacted what you're making uh, in your business today? Well, I mean, actually, uh, during the accelerator, I made, I'm a best month yet in terms of business um, and money made, uh, which was pretty cool. I haven't had it quite that high since, but, <laughs> but uh, I think that was just kind of a, a one-off thing. But I've, I've kind of been chasing a client for a while and uh, they, they were a big client. And I submitted a proposal to them and it was the biggest proposal I've ever sent to anybody. And it was with this new rate structure and the, the guy didn't push back. He just said, it's, it's over our budget, but he said, it's not unreasonable at all. So don't think that that's an unreasonable ask. And I thought that that was really interesting because somebody who had come from the nonprofit world and be like, Hey, I charge $25 an hour or whatever it was at the time. Uh, and they'd be like, well, if we're going to, you know, you're going to charge us $500 for this project. We really need to talk about, you know, what you're going to give us, if it's really worth it. And now I'm like asking clients to, I was like, here's a $4,000 invoice. And they're like, okay, here you go. Here's the paid. Just no, no nobody's asking. And it's the same work. Um, so it's just, it's been cool to see that kind of change uh, in my business uh, financially, like, and I think part of it is I'm saying no to the clients I don't want to work with and yes to the ones that I do. And uh, seeing that workout has been pretty cool. So that's been a big change with pricing. I know like Accelerator helped me kind of figure out what I want to offer clients uh, with a signature package stuff um, and help me piece that together. And so I can actually approach clients and say, this is what I'll do for you. And um, just that's it. It's all done. And I don't need to sit there creating like a unique proposal for every single person. It's just like, this is the package. This is what you'll get. Um, so that saved me time. It's just giving me clarity. It's, I know. Yeah. Just all around. It's, I would say there's a lot more, um, there's a better flow to my business. If that makes any sense. And it makes, uh, definitely makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Let me, let me um, ask maybe a final question about this. And that is if somebody were uh, considering the accelerator that, you know, they're in this, place in their business, you know, maybe they've got a couple of clients or they've, you know, they're, they're asking questions about their niche, you know, they're, they're wondering, you know, how do I, how do I grow? How do I put my business on steroids for lack of a, a better phrase? Um, what advice would you give to them, um, you know, regarding, regarding the accelerator and how they might approach it? Yeah. I mean, if, if someone's wanting to pivot, like change their niche entirely, um, I should be very clear about who you want to work with and what you want to do. Um, I, you can't be a jack of all trades and a master of none when it comes down to it. Like you're just not going to find it very sustainable. Um, and you won't become known for that one thing. Uh, like I really want to be known for email marketing and e-commerce. Like that's just something I want. Like, I know there's like a thousand email marketers like that, but it's, it's how you approach it. 
it's the things that you bring to the projects um, and that you give to your clients that's kind of can change. You can, I mean, the experience that some people have with e-commerce email marketers out there is horrendous. Um, and so just even being a person and a human is a, is a huge advantage um, being relational. But like, so it's, it's, it's like how you are different from your competition. Uh, that's kind of key there. Um, and I, I feel like to plug the accelerator here, like y'all really helped us figure that out. Cause it's like, we're, there's so many of us who want to do like one specific type of copywriting in one specific industry um, for one specific type of client, maybe even. And you're, you're like, well, okay, great. There are a thousand people out there that are doing the same thing. How are you going to be different? And the accelerator really helped me kind of answer those questions. Uh, some of them I know are Kira's, hey, what makes you weird? What's your favorite topping on your steak? Like, I mean, just weird questions that she asked. But it's like, it helps you kind of really think about things in a different way that you've never thought before. Um, and that's kind of what the accelerator helped me do in terms of differentiating myself from um, people doing the same thing that I'm doing. Uh, so doing like soul work kind of in a really weird way um, can help someone position and pivot effectively. Um, but then, yeah, identifying what you don't want to do um, and saying no to those things, just having the courage to say no. Uh, that was really hard. For, that was a mindset hurdle for me to get over. It's really gratifying though, to hear you talk about your business, Matt, and the, and the changes that you've made, the, you know, the way that you focused um, in ways that maybe you weren't thinking about before the accelerator and how it's changed your approach, uh, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing where your business goes from here. You know, everybody who goes through the accelerator, I, I love to see just, you know, what their next steps are, you know, whether they, whether they, uh, you know, move into the things that we talk about in the accelerator, whether they find something even completely different, it just helps clarify, uh, the approach, uh, the process, the kinds of clients you want to work with, the kind of work you want to do. So I, I can't wait to see what you do with your business, uh, moving forward. Yeah, me too. <laughs> and of course, I'm going to share with you guys like crazy. So, Awesome. Thanks, Matt. I appreciate you taking the time just to chat. No problem. You bet. Okay. I also have Amy Collins, copywriter Amy Collins here as well. She recently went through the Copywriter Accelerator this past spring, and I thought it would be interesting to get her perspective on you know, what the program is like what she was going through before she joined and uh, where she is now. So Amy, welcome. Um, before we get started, just tell us a little bit about your business, who you write for, you know, the kind of copy you really like to do. Sure. Um, yeah. So I write uh, primarily with wine brands and beverage brands, and I have a long uh, industry experience in the wine industry. So it's kind of uh, a comfortable niche for me. I really enjoy doing web copy and emails. Um, I have done quite a bit of content marketing in the past, blogs and stuff like that. But um, one thing the accelerator helped me realize was that I no longer wanted to niche in that. And so I've been able to gradually move away from things I no longer want to do and focus more on things that are really exciting to me right now. Let me back up just a little bit because you weren't brand new when you joined the accelerator. You had clients, you had you know, this business and you've been doing it for a little while. What was it that made you decide that you wanted to go through the accelerator and have that experience? Yeah, for sure. So I've been a freelance writer for over a decade in various um, capacities, right? Journalism, content marketing, some copywriting. And at the time uh, that I joined the accelerator, 
I had just gotten back into it and I was really working just off referrals, saying yes to whatever came my way in terms of deliverables, niche types of clients. And it was all over the board. And I decided last fall that I really wanted to level up my business and be more intentional about what I was doing and that I was going to need some help uh, figuring that out and getting organized. And I thought, well, you know, here's an opportunity to kind of cut out, uh, shorten the learning curve, if you will. So that's when, when and why I joined the Accelerator. And did it work? Did it shorten the learning curve? Tell us a little bit about the experience. Yeah, well, the learning curve was still, uh, it was definitely shortened and to be honest, a bit overwhelming. Uh, There was a tremendous amount of information and working through the eight modules really helped me understand how much I needed to think about that I didn't know I needed to think about in terms of building a business. Um, There definitely was a point where it became, uh, you know, I had to really decide to Uh, be very clear on which things worked for me and which things didn't, and also have come to Jesus with myself and understand that I didn't have to implement all the things right away, which is something I would definitely recommend to anyone considering the accelerator, depending on where you are in your business and what kind of bandwidth you have. um, Just because there is a lot of things that can be done, it doesn't all have to be done overnight. And I am still building up my business where I want it to be. Um, but yeah, the learning curve was definitely shortened. So tell us about anything that surprised you in the program or any big takeaways that you had as you went through the process. Yeah, honestly, I think the greatest takeaway was, um, and the biggest surprise was how back having the community was. Um, I felt like I just walked into a room of about 40 people all over the globe and had 40 new friends. And I'm still in touch with quite, uh, quite a few of those people Um, You know, in the accelerator, we break down into smaller um, accountability groups and my accountability, my accountability group still meets, which is great. And we text each other and just little questions here and there. And it's really nice. So that was, I guess it shouldn't have been a surprise, but it really was. Yeah, I've said this earlier as well, but that seems to be a surprise that a lot of people walk away from, you know, we, we talk about again, all the things that we do in the accelerator, but the biggest takeaway is that network, that community, the friends, you know, all of that stuff that comes out of it. Yeah. It's so different from a lot of programs and courses you see out there where you purchase a thing and you get, maybe you get an email drip course or you get, you know, videos that you can check in with modules, but you don't have that. You just don't have the community. You don't have people that you're going with through it with. And that's the greatest difference, especially working as a copywriter. We, unless you're working with an agency, you're working in a silo. And so it's just you and your head a lot, most of the time. Right. And it's very easy to get discouraged and to second guess yourself when you don't have anyone to bounce your experience off of. And so the accelerator provided that in spades. So tell me, how has the accelerator impacted your business financially with the clients that you're working with? Like what what has been the practical result of going through that uh, whole experience? Yeah, I think one of the most exciting things was it gave me the confidence and permission and also um, a valid representation of the prices I should be charging. And I raised my prices significantly during the course of the accelerator. And it totally changed the game for me. Um, I, you know, just also being, 
having access to the different training videos and whatnot, um, in addition to the underground, which of course, you know, comes with the accelerator and uh, just learning from other copywriters, how they set up retainers, um, how they, you know, go through proposals with their clients, little things like that, that might take me years to figure out on my own, if ever, just really helped present um, stronger proposals to clients help me ask for higher prices without feeling like uh, an imposter, right? So I, that really made a huge difference. And if somebody were thinking about joining, they're like on the fence, you know, about joining the accelerator, is there anything that you would, any advice that you could give them to help them decide, yes, this is a good, good option for me, or no, maybe I should wait or, you know, find another program, something that would be different? Yeah, I think, um, you know, that's tricky, right? Because it is an investment and um, how much bandwidth you have to grow a new business. But I think if you are in a place where you know that you can, you can be working with better clients that you think you might be able to charge bigger prices or that you just need help organizing, even if you don't feel like you can go full throttle and build a complete business in four months, I recommend jumping in anyway, because you have access to the information forever. And it, it's a great practice in helping you just think about how you want to build a business. And of course, the community and the community is not going to go anywhere. So you still have them to rely on. And they're there with you the whole way. You can check back later even if you only get, you know, first four modules into in implemented, right? And then you have to stall for whatever reason, you still have this group of people who understand exactly what you're going through that you can lean on. So I think it's, um, yeah, so I think probably just know that it can get overwhelming, but um, you can, you can kind of go at your own pace, you don't have to do everything at once. Uh, but I think it's an incredibly valuable experience for anyone who's trying to move from just taking whatever comes their way and just trying to make ends meet and working 10 hours a day to building a business that truly works for them. Yeah, I, I like your advice, too, to go through it at your own speed. We've even had people who, you know, they they join the accelerator, they go, you know, for three or four weeks, something happens or, you know, they kind of get stuck and they actually, um, because you have access to this content forever, as long as you know we're alive, or as long as the Copywriter Club is a thing, um, you know they they've actually come you know six months later and rejoined you know for free because they've already they've already you know paid that one time and and kind of go through it again uh, you know to refresh or you know, so um, yeah we I mean it's it's nice that it's the kind of content that you can go through at your own speed because everybody is going to build a business a little bit differently so it, I I'm impressed that you, you know, like identified that as as uh, some, some advice or, or something that the program allows people to do. So uh, any last thoughts about your experience in the Accelerator um, or how it's changed your business? Yeah, I think it's changed my business in the sense that, you know, I'm, I'm just not alone in this, right? Like I have people I can rely on, people who get exactly what I'm going through. And I have plenty of friends who are entrepreneurs who work as you know, independent contractors, but it's not the same as running a copywriting business. And, you know, many people, clients um, still fall into, you know, they think, well, you can write, so you can write anything and you can do it right now and you can do it cheap. And that's really not true. And that's not how you run an efficient and effective business. So having people that understand that because they're in your shoes is priceless. Awesome. 
that seems like a pretty good note to end on. Thanks, Amy, for joining me to talk about your experience. I think we should have you come on the podcast at some point in the future and tell us all of the ways that it's changed your business. So uh, we'll have to see about making that happen soon. Yeah, I'd love to. Cool. Thanks, Amy. Thanks, Rob. All right. That is the end of this episode of the Copywriter Club podcast. I want to thank our guests, Amy and Matt. I want to thank Kira for taking a few minutes to come out of her maternity leave and chat with us as well. Uh, the intro music for this episode was composed by copywriter and songwriter Addison Rice. The outro was composed by copywriter and songwriter David Muntner. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, please visit Apple Podcasts, leave a review of your, the show. That helps others find it and lets us know that you actually appreciate the content that we put together. If you're ready to invest in yourself and your copywriting business and finally achieve your goals, visit copywriterthinktank.com. And because we've been talking about the Copywriter Accelerator a bit in this episode, you might want to check out the copywriteraccelerator.com. Get your name on the wait list if you think that that might be a fit for your business. Thanks for listening and we will see you next week. Copywriters coming together to help the world write better copy and make more money.